Welcome to the Property Management Law Solutions Podcast. Your host, Attorney Tim Baldwin, will guide you in all things property management, law, markets, politics, and commentary. Your property is his priority. Here's your host, Attorney Tim Baldwin. Hello, everybody. Tim Baldwin here for our next episode of Property Management Law Solutions Podcast. We're going to continue the theme from our last episode, which was uh, it focused on operations, operations manual, process, procedures, and making sure that your property management company has a defined process for certain events you know are going to happen in your business. And we're going to pick it up from where we left off, which was, I was getting into notices. Notices was the next topic I wanted to um, talk about. So in landlord-tenant law, notices are very, very important. Florida courts have ruled on a variety in a host of issues regarding notices. And if you know anything about the case history um, regarding notices, you'll know that it's just a very, very important part of landlord-tenant law. There are common notices that if you've been in the management business for very long, you'll know that there are three-day notices to pay or vacate. There are seven-day notices to cure. There are seven-day notices non-curable. There are notices to terminate a lease. There are security deposit claim notices. And those are the main um, notices that you'll see. There are other notices that can be given depending on what's going on or what it may involve. But those ones I just stated are the very common ones. And so you need to study. Um, what it is that, that makes those notices legally sufficient. If a notice that you've delivered to a tenant is deficient in any way, it could uh, essentially undermine or void or nullify the notice itself. So a three-day notice to pay or vacate, uh, if it's legally deficient and you file an eviction based on that notice, it could be cause for a dismissal. Same thing with the seven-day notice to cure or non-curable. If you send a security deposit claim that's not legally sufficient, it could render the notice defective, and thus you would not be able to make a claim. So the notice, the notices um, are extremely important, and you know, again, there's there's a lot of things that go into it. So that's really kind of a separate show all to itself. Uh, and I've alluded to notices and how important they are before. I'll do an episode on just notices and kind of uh, flesh some of this out more. But but when it comes to your practices and procedures, you want to make sure that you have a process in place that uh, the employees or the property managers uh, can have a checklist of knowing that they are doing the same thing every time. And I can just tell you from experience that I have you know, clients who are, are experienced, they've been doing the business for a long time. Um, they're, they're credible companies. 
but even still, um, they can miss things. Um, they can, you know, they can, they can make an error. And so one of the reasons they have me on retainer is just to look over their, um, documents whenever they become, you know, relevant to make sure that they are correct. And so that's what I help them with. And I can tell you that they, sometimes they miss it and sometimes I got to help them. So, um, it's crucially important. All right. The next thing uh, that I'll, you should have a process for is when a tenant makes a request for a reasonable accommodation. And this is under fair housing laws. If a tenant is a covered person under that law, then they're entitled to the protection of that law, which essentially means that the landlord cannot um, discriminate against them and not provide or not allow the reasonable accommodation request. And this is a whole body of law, really separate from landlord-tenant law. Now, it does fall under uh, landlord obligations, and it does fall under tenant rights. But really, this is not landlord-tenant law per se. This is fair housing. And so when a tenant makes a request for a reasonable accommodation, you need to make sure that you have a checklist that your employees and managers follow so that they're not missing anything. and. This, I'm going to do a, another show on fair housing in the future. But for now, just let me just say that property managers are not attorneys and they're not qualified to make legal determinations. They're not, they shouldn't even try to do that. I mean, as soon as you step into that role and you start making legal determinations, you could find yourself in a really a a pile of trouble because if you're wrong and you've acted on behalf of a an owner and you get sued and the owner gets sued then the owner could be looking to the property manager and say well why did you make this decision you're not an attorney or at a minimum you didn't seek the legal advice of a fair housing attorney and so you didn't have the knowledge or the uh determination to make it so in general, though, whenever you get a request from a tenant, um, you're looking at it from, from a face value perspective. So getting the documentation um, from the tenant is what you need to do. You need to have a, have a form that the tenant will use to make the request. You need to have uh, form letters that you can send out to whoever the professional might be who has determined that this person needs the reasonable accommodation and uh, to request essentially a certification from that professional that, yes, this person is in need of the accommodation. And, um, and so you need those form letters that you can send out um, quickly and efficiently because if you unnecessarily delay the process, then some courts have addressed an untimely response could effectively mean a denial of the request. And so you want to make sure your processes are efficient to be able to uh, respond timely to the tenant. And of course, there's nowadays, I mean, what you see mostly is a request for a uh, service animal, uh, particularly a, an emotional service animal. And those, those are becoming more and more um, relevant. So there's doc documentation that you could um, get from an attorney who specializes in fair housing 
to you know have a form letter that you send out you have a request form from a tenant uh, to be able to get the information you need just to be able to look at this from a face value the next topic is um, routine inspections every house that you manage and the process that you implement during the term of that lease should include routine inspections. It's an important part of what you do as a property manager. It's an important part of enforcing the lease, of identifying problems that could happen in the property and that you're wanting to prevent from happening. It's an important accountability feature for both the owner and the tenant. So having routine inspections throughout the lease term is is important. Simple enough is that, you know, you need to schedule these things out in the term. For the inspections themselves, you can have a checklist for your inspectors. Now, whether you hire third parties or you use your employees or your, your agents, you need to have a checklist of what they need to do. And the same thing needs to be done every time. Now, there are some apps out there that kind of do this for you, which is great. They, they allow you to take the pictures and make notes, and it kind of takes you through um, what a normal inspection would, would include. So doing that um, is a great thing. Using those apps is a great thing. But even with using the apps, your business needs to have a company policy of what the inspection should include and what the inspectors are looking for. And communicating with your vendors to say, hey, if you're out there, um, you know, look for something that may be obvious that we need to know about. Because sometimes when the vendors are out there, even though they're not out there for, a, a say, a routine inspection, they can help you. Uh, if you have a good relationship with the vendors, they can help you with identifying things that may be going on in the property. So it's, it's, it's good to have a relationship like that with vendors who can help you. All right. the next item that you should have a, a company process procedure is uh, rent payments. One of the more obvious features of what a property management company will do is collect rent from the tenant and disperse monies according to your uh, agreement with the property owner. So your process there should basically account for the timing of when the money should be coming in when the money should be going out. Also, if a tenant has not paid in full, having the process of sending out notices. So there's a couple ways, well, a few ways of doing this. One of them is to essentially give the tenant a an advanced warning. So you can send out an email saying, hey, you didn't pay rent on time. Pay rent by the end of the day. If you don't pay rent, then we're proceeding with sending out three-day notices. This should at least give the tenants, um, you know, a courtesy warning that, hey, they, they didn't pay on time and you do intend to enforce the lease. And so three-day notices will follow if they don't pay, you know, by the end of the day, for example. Putting a deadline on for your managers on when to send that out, it could be the very next day after rent is owed. Um, you know, the timing is up to you and your company policy. but 
it's important to enforce the lease terms because if it, as if as a matter of practice you don't, then you don't want to open up a defense to a, a, an eviction in the future. That basically the tenant says, "Well, you never enforced the lease before, and so I relied on that lack of enforcement um, to pay late." And so, um, so anyway, you don't want to you don't want that defense to be raised. So you you know enforce the lease terms. So you can send an email out saying you didn't pay rent. We're going to send out a three-day notice if you don't pay by the end of the day. And then you schedule the three-day notices to be delivered on the day that your calendar system provides each month. So if rent is due on the 1st and it's deemed late on the 4th, then on the 5th, you can send out an email saying we're, we're going to be sending out three-day notices if you don't pay by, in, by the end of the day. And then on the 6th, you have your three-day notices delivered. Uh, and then you calendar in uh, you calendar in your system after the three days has expired if the tenants have not paid or if they have paid. And obviously, if you know, not including legal holidays and weekends and the day that you delivered the notice, you don't include those days. So putting that in the calendar system so that your managers are already calendaring these things out and that there's a specific process for doing these things for everybody. Experienced property managers may not need the calendaring system per se, but if if you have new people coming in who aren't used to doing this on a regular basis, scheduling these things out will help this person not miss something. And it will keep them accountable to make sure that they're enforcing the lease. So once you get to the point where you're checking to see if tenants have paid their money in full on the three-day notice, then you have a process of informing the owners of whether or not the tenants paid and what your suggestion is for enforcement. So, But you want to have your process for that in place so that your managers and your staff know where to go once the events occur. Obviously, with rent being so important in the business, you want to make sure that this process nailed down for sure. Every month, everybody knows exactly what's being done with regard to rent. The next thing we have is whenever a tenant requests maintenance, this is probably number two issue that you're dealing with through the lease term. You know, you get rent payment and then you have maintenance requests. Maintenance requests happen depending how large of a company you have probably every day, certainly commonly. And so this this is a an important part of what you do and the process here should definitely be spelled out for your managers. And I think that even if you're experienced, the managers should follow the specific protocol that you have in place for this because it's just too important to miss, you know, not to miss the steps. You know, under Florida landlord tenant law, there's tenant obligations and there's landlord obligations. You know, your your managers need to know what your lease agreement says regarding the landlord's obligations. Uh, and the tenant obligations, and as well as what the statute requires so that you have an idea of what's been changed or altered or waived. And so you need to have a list of things, a list of those obligations on a checklist 
so that when a maintenance request comes in, your managers can look at the request and see if they can identify where does this request fall under? Whose obligation is it? They can look at the list of items and easily identify what the the request may involve. Now, you may not be able to identify actual obligations because if you haven't seen it or you don't have a vendor out there to determine what's really going on or maybe what the causation of it is, then you don't have a full picture yet. So you can't always make a determination just by looking at the request, but you may be able to get an idea right away. And so you can sort of look at the seriousness of the request. Um, Is it an emergency or not? Or does it involve a material aspect of the property? Is it a landlord obligation? Is it a tenant obligation? And so going through that process, um, once the request is delivered to you to start making your um, determinations about, about obligation. And so there's several forms that could be, you know, pre-made so that the managers are going through the process and then they have the form that applies to the scenario that is in play at that particular, on that particular request have the process of determining obligation, of ordering the inspection, of making the inspection, including making the tenants um, provide you with with evidence of what's going on. Now, this may not happen every time because some tenants, you know, they're not tech savvy. They don't know how to use a smartphone or whatever. I mean, there's there can be some hurdles there. But for most tenants, they can provide you with pictures or videos of what's going on. So you can already make some kind of a determination from your office. So going through that process um, every time, I think, is very, very important because it's going to prevent, um, you you know, you're going to make these determinations quicker, more accurately, with more professionalism, uh, timely, all, all these things that go into the process of dealing with maintenance requests. I didn't get through even all of the topics that I want to address. So we'll pick this up on the next episode. But just in in summary of all this, I just can't stress enough the importance of property managers developing systems for every aspect of what goes on in the landlord-tenant relationship in the property management business itself. You could... Just sit down, you and your property manager, if you're the broker, if, you know, if you're the, or if you're the main property manager at the company, just sit down with a piece of paper and a pen and just start writing down, here's everything that happens in this business. And under each of those topics, start writing step-by-step what needs to happen. You're not going to be able to get it all out in one time because you're going to miss something or something else comes to mind. And so it's going to be a working progress, but you need to start doing this because, and here's the thing, not all companies do things the same way. So there's not a one size fits all to any of this exactly because it's based on how you want your model to look, but it certainly has to contemplate and anticipate what's known and what's anticipated. And it's also has to comply with the law. So, you know, consulting an attorney with regard to your process and procedures is 
something you should be doing. And then it's a working document. It just, it, it will develop over time, but you've got to start somewhere. All right, we're going to stop here. We're going to continue this uh, topic again on the next episode. And um, if you don't subscribe to Property Management Law Solutions podcast, do that now and you'll get these episodes as they are published. And we'll continue the next one on the next show. Y'all have a good day. Thank you.